gentlemen, boys and girls. I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, this was a extremely last minute show. Uh, if you guys, if you guys listen to all of the things that I do, I, I, I told you where I was supposed to be today. Um, and we had a last minute cancellation, not really their fault. Um, I don't know if I could really talk about why they, I, I, I it's not their fault and it's okay. We're not mad at anybody. That needs to be known right off the, right off the bat. But um, you guys came through for me, Cartridge Brewing Company. Um, it gives me a really great experience to, or a great excuse to, uh, to venture down here too and, and drink some of your beer, which uh, is always uh, an absolute pleasure. Um, I drank some, what was it last night? I think I finished off the last of my cartucho that I had in the fridge. Nice. And um, it was an absolute, we were sitting down with my, uh, we're, going, we're already going to go down the rabbit hole. This is a uh, a loose show. We have not not a lot of real <laughs> topics. So, um, my four year old has discovered that she knows how to work the record player in the basement, and so now she just kind of wanders down there and she figures she pulls out random records and throws them on and sits down there listening to them and dancing around. Um, so I went down there last night with her and uh, cracked open a bunch of beers and we're sitting at the bar together and listening to records. We sat and listened to. Um, uh, the entire Wizard of Oz. It's not the soundtrack. It's like the whole movie just on oh, a record. That's cool. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Uh, welcome back to the show, guys. Oh, nice. <laughs> she's going to be ready for like college parties yeah. ahead of time. <laughs> getting her set. Except she's going to be listening to the Wizard of Oz and they're going to stare at her like she's weird. She's like the weird Pink Floyd version. <laughs> right. Good. Yeah. Um, before we dive into anything, we need to start with a beer because um, it's hot and it's been a long work day and I'm thirsty. So let's dive fridge. into something. Um, introduce yourselves first so that everybody knows. I mean, you guys have been on the show a few times now, so everybody kind of knows you, but go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Adam Mills. I'm head brewer at Cartridge. Kyle Hackbarth, CRO. Lindsay Hackbarth, chief branding officer. Perfect. And Adam, you picked out a flight. Yeah, um, we've, I we've can. a little bit of everything here. I can figure out what one of these is. Okay, so we should probably start with Escape. Um, oh, Escape that's, that's is our... Uh, Actually, that's our bonus oh, the, one here. It's the bonus beer. Yeah. Um, this is the Pina Colada beer? It is. And uh, this came like about Pina from... Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Hence the name of the beer, by the way. Real this, name um, of the song. This came about... I used... Uh, there's a, a newer coconut product out on the market uh, mm. from Cholaca. Um, where they have this organic, basically, coconut smoothie that you can buy. Um, and I used it in a stout. Now, I was really pleased with it. Coconut can be a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, that works for stout, but I don't want to be running a coconut stout through the summer. And so I tried to think about a way that we could utilize it in a lighter beer. Um, and so we, we used that with uh, some pineapple, um, some real pineapple to give it a little of acidity. And it came out pretty well. It's what's, pretty the, uh, what's the base beer style? Is it like a... It's like a little wheat beer. It's only 4%. It's so good. Um, like it, it and, uh, tastes like it's a big kind of... Big, I mean, the body to it is, is very kind of... Sure. Pina, pina colada. Is. Well, and then <laughs> so what we did was is, is we actually used... I'm a big fan of uh, flaked rye for viscosity, for, for lifting up the body a little bit. Um, and sometimes flaked rye gets a bad, a, a bad rap. I, I think that malted rye can be really earthy, but I think flaked rye... You can you can use it, and it just kind of gives a nice filling uh, feel to it without necessarily like having super high residual sweetness, right? Um, and so it kind of gives that perception of something a little bit fuller without something that's palate fatiguing. You know, this is amazing. It is 
damn near perfect, if not a perfect uh, summer beer. It's one of those ones that, especially at four, four, you said four percent. Yeah, four. You can just sit there and knock these back, and like they still kind of satisfy that urge of drinking a beer. You want something that has some kind of, some kind of body to it too. Sure, sure. Um, but that isn't gonna knock you on your ass after a couple of them. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. There's something to be said for it. Well, and I like too, like in the tap room when you get a pint of it, we serve it with a wedge of pineapple on it and I tell everybody like what is it it tastes like vacation and it's been hugely popular all summer I'm gonna need it served in a coconut shell I know (laughs) we'll up up our game you you know that has been done once as far as I know in a brewery in Cincinnati Urban Artifact did something that they served in coconut shells and I can't for the life of me remember what it was um, you need to find out if they actually had to hollow out their own coconuts to do that. I, I that can feels like a lot of work. <laughs> and, I, and I guarantee they saved all of it. And it was the coconuts that, that were they, in the, the, the beer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, somehow. That's, that's that. Yeah. They've done a couple goofy things like that. They did the coconut for something. And then um, when they did their salted rye goza the first time, uh, when you ordered it, it came with a little sandwich. Nice. <laughs> yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Nice. Would pull it out from under the bar that comes with a snack. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, people love that stuff, though. People yeah. love seeing fruit slapped on the side of a glass mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, so, just anything just that kind of elevates yeah. that experience of sure. having just a beer to that next kind of experience where sure. you're like, oh, oh, remember that one time where we went to this one place and it, you know, had this or it was served like this or, you know, it had this rimmed on the glass. Like, yep. it's mm-hmm. those little things that kind of just kick things to that next level you're doing it for the gram just well, you know it's, it's the gram what it's about well that and you get someone that orders a beer at a table and then it walks yep. the whole entire right. way across or out to the patio it's like the and, applebee's oh, fajita yes. thing where yeah. you just, as soon as it's coming out everybody turns their head <laughs> and then yeah, same idea but um it really does kind of attach things into your memory so much mm-hmm. uh heavier too when there's something like that um not that this beer needs anything else, but it uh, it just kicks it up to that next level. Sure. Uh, one of the things I did want to talk about, kind of on that same note, is is beer experiences and what kind of what makes drinking a beer like what kicks it to that next level. What are some of those things? What are some of the times that drinking a beer is just better than others? Like what what makes a good drinking experience for you guys? I don't know. For me, it it, it always starts with the people. I mean, the, the people that you're with are really the most important thing, right? And that's what, that's like what sitting down and having a couple of beers, it, it magnifies that experience, right? And, um, and then location, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the thing. That's what I, I remember we, we've had conversations before we opened here where it's like, our beer is never going to taste better than it does here. Yeah. Because it's a cool spot. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. On that same, same level, though, like sometimes, sometimes those memories do taste better better like sometimes like i can i can sit here and i can have a beer sitting at the bar and you know watching a game that's on tv or something it'll it'll be a great beer but then you take that same thing and you put me in a different situation with a different person and 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 all of a sudden that beer is like oh my god this is how i remember that beer this is it's it's um it's hard to put it into into we all have like the, the the craft beer you know story or the the i remember when i had this beer Right. I mean, so we're all of the, the age here that, you know, Sierra Nevada, for many of us, I think us, Lindsay and I in college was one of those like gateway. You just got the six pack, right? Glass bottle. It was the same cost as like a dirty 30 of something, you know, you didn't want to drink or and 
I think like you have those experiences. And then I think now it's more of like recently we had almost like a reunion of a, a couple guys I deployed with that came over with their families and their kids and we're drinking cartridge beer and I'm drinking something that like I've had the privilege of, of helping create and now all these people are part of this machine working to make great beer here and I'm drinking it out of a can in my own backyard with people I deployed to Afghanistan with sharing that beer with them like that is a unique experience to say like Remember, like, around the burn barrel when we're, like, burning classified stuff every single day? Like, when we bullshitted about, like, I was going to open a brewery? Well, like, guess what? Like, you know, Actually we did it, right? And, and they said we couldn't do it. <laughs> does it does it make it hard to kind of um, keep a, almost an analytical mind towards your beer? Because that, that experience of, like, we've been talking about this for so long here it is, this finally came to life, here's this beer, here it is in a can, here we are standing in my backyard with, with my friends drinking this thing that we talked yeah. about. For, so it's going to taste better because of that. Is it hard to find ways to kind of switch that mind sometimes? It's just kinda, like you have to kind of pause, I think, to do mm-hmm. it. I think we noticed it this summer was the first summer where we have a neighborhood pool and we're like, we're finally bringing, like we had cartridge koozies for a lot of years, um, <laughs> but with other people's great beer. Um, and it was the first time like, oh, we're drinking cartridge beer like at the pool with like all of our neighbors who are telling us about all the awesome, you know, how much they appreciate it being nearby and the great experiences. And that was kind of like a, a pause moment. I, I was thinking too, as you guys were talking of like the flight experience. And I think like the opportunity to sit and learn and talk about different beer. Like I think our tours, like watching other people have that experience and we've gotten to lead a couple of those too is probably one of my favorite things to do here and like see and, and see the experience that you know you're creating for them. Right. Or opening like people up to a style that, you know, they'll sit down at the table. Like Lindsay and I led a group of retirees who live in my parents' neighborhood. So the <laughs> average age was pushing 70. My favorite moment midway through, they literally like Kyle's telling them about the brewing process and like the whole tanks and halfway through a lady just turns to the other one and goes, he looks just like his mother. <laughs> and you just say thank you and, uh, and keep going, I guess. <laughs> Try to get this tour back on. And, uh, you know, we sit down at the table and we're like, okay, this is our flight. And you get to the IPA. And for this, you know, age group demographic, mathematically speaking, they're not going to like it. And you, you just pitch it. You know, Adam says it very well that when people say, they don't drink IPAs, they're really saying, I don't drink bitter beers. Right. And so it's like, you know, we go for a balanced approach. And I say, if you all can just try a sip, and they all do, and then a couple of them that went in, you know, hesitating, by the time they leave, mm-hmm. that glass is empty. Mm-hmm. They don't order another. But, you know, maybe we opened up someone to a drinking or a, a hospitality experience. And I think that's just part of it here, too, is, you know, there's a number of experiences where we'd be like that was a great beer right one of my favorite things in the world and kind of on that same topic and around beers is beer dinners like the beer dinners that you go to you, you buy a ticket mm-hmm. you don't know what the menu is you don't know what beers are going to get served to you you just kind of show up and you're putting that experience in somebody else's hands and then uh, maybe something comes out in front of you and like oh i don't really typically eat that 
but I'm here and I, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll eat it just this once. You're like, oh, that's actually not that bad. And then like it, it kind of gets that sure. mind kind of, it forces you to do that. That's hard to do with, with beer or I guess it's probably hard to do that with food too. But um, how do you kind of force people to, or <laughs> force makes it sound very, very violent. Yeah. <laughs> I think we try to create experiences. <laughs> like I think, we do our guided tours and guided, we took, we call it a behind the scenes tour and a guided flight. Um, and they get pretzels and beer cheese, which, you know, just we've learned if you put, like put beer cheese on it, people are very happy. Um, and those have been great. And then funny, you mentioned the dinners cause we've done one and we're coming up on releasing information very soon on our next like chef's table menu. We're like, we're flexing way outside of our usual menu to, right. you know, I, I know rabbits involved in one of the dishes. Oh, that's like that's fun, but that's like come and experience like something that you would normally never prepare at home with right. like a perfectly curated beer or wine option because we're flexible to meet the needs of both audiences. And it's really neat to see that experience. Well, it would be fun to have a a dinner that has all of those things in there too. The you know the the, the food side. Mm-hmm. Some courses have some beers with them. Some have some wine yep. with them. Some have some cocktails with yep, it. Like, and it just is. kind of yep. force people out of that that again force get people out of their comfort zone. I think people indirectly <laughs> end up liking that because you don't have to make decisions. You just it. sign up and it. go along for the ride. Because like, it's so easy. Like when you when you walk in and sit down at a bar and order a beer or grab a menu and, and order dinner to go towards those comfort yep. zones that you sure. have mm-hmm. and, and like, oh, I just really like this. I'm going to have that instead of kind of putting yourself out there and trying something mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't usually like that. So that's why I'm going to try it this time because I don't typically like it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also a training your staff standpoint as well because we have staff that have their beer preferences mm-hmm. but then you put something new in front of them explain it and you explain to them you know what you're trying to do you know what you're shooting for and then they can help you know they can help guide that process at the table as well right you know are there any um specific beer experiences for you guys that just make beer taste better whenever you uh are in them um, online, when I when I threw the thing out there that I needed a show, somebody mentioned the uh, you know the the mid mowing beer. You know, you're oh, you're on your mower valid. and you crack open a beer halfway through just to get you through the end, and it's hot and that beer is cold. And I think the post mowing yes. shower yes. beer is a hundred <laughs> times better than the mid mowing. I beer. think like we've had these like you know ninety degree ridiculously hot humid like that jump in the pool and cool off and chat with friends that that beer's pretty nice and yeah. i think traveling too like for us if we're traveling finding a new brewery and having that be a part of the experience is always memorable well, well like we had the chance to travel to Lindsay and i to new york city like manhattan uh, there's one brewery there's in manhattan because the rent is obscene <laughs> we asked what it was oh we did we did ask like a really tiny nano brewery it's yeah. actually no, pretty good it's, it's, it's probably comparable size That's to us crazy. They, uh they produce everything in Brooklyn. Yes. Every, every pint cost $37. Was, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It was over 10. It was over 10. They and, had some but under. They were cranky. And it was, I think, a demographic, right? They were in the right neighborhood. Uh-huh. But it was a demographic of people our age and younger craving the brewery experience yep. that someone was crazy enough to spend that much money on to open it in that's, Manhattan. I mean, their, wild. their monthly rent mm. was like well over 50K. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Like monthly, would, monthly rent. It would almost make more sense to just open a brewery like outside of the city 
um, open up like a little storefront, put like fake tanks on the wall mm-hmm. so it looks like you're sitting <laughs> yep. in a brewery and then just oh, serve the tank, beer that's the made some more. Well, they oh, the, were hooking yeah. some up. Uh, they the were tank, in no, the press. I, they weren't doing a whole lot. It's amazing how none of these have glycol lines and yeah. they're just sitting here. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I just can't imagine trying to get that the, the, the floor space that you need mm-hmm. for something like this. I mean, you guys have uh, almost almost as much production space as you have floor space dedicated uh, to tables almost yeah about a third of about it, probably yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um it's uh, that's that's hard to do when you're trying to it is trying to pay those those, pri- well, those rent prices and for I Manhattan. Think it was just but it was the experience right like so we sat down at the bar and had a great brewery experience in a city that you shouldn't be able to afford to have that nor should the beer be as cheap as it was and it was it was good fantastic beer like it was Shout out to Torch and Crown. Yeah, Torch and Crown. And, like, their GM, like, when they found out we were in the industry, was fantastic and stopped by and, like, answered every dorky question I had about, (laughs) you know, opening a brewery in in one of the most expensive cities in the world. But that's a great experience. And then you take that to where, um, you know, traveling to, like, uh, We just did Colorado. We were out in, like, some of these teeny tiny little ones out in like near, you know, in the mountain towns of that experience. Like that's probably my favorite. Yeah. And you walk in and like, you know, you walk in the door at creeks and everybody just stares at you because you are not a regular. Right? That means you're in the right spot. That's right. That's right. Correct. Correct. You're, like, Correct. you're not at the tourist trap. And, right? then, yeah. and then you sit down at the bar or you go outside to the picnic table in an in industrial parking lot, right? Like old school brewery in a, uh, you know, right. high ceilings, cheap rent loading dock there you go right. check uh, check uh, and and they're just making great beer and you just happen to be the one non-local there i mean those are all great experiences um so i don't think there's like one thing that you can encapsulate with beer or drinking that makes it like one thing i think it all comes down to like how are you feeling in that moment and then what did you enjoy about the beer style that you happen to enjoy because even here like adam produces really good beer and like I am so happy and proud of where this team has taken us. But there's still beers up there that I will be like, yep, stylistically, that is wonderful, Adam. I will never drink it. <laughs> like, you know, it's we all have our own palates. And I think that's each individual's experience we get to have. Right. Um, speaking of beer. I know. Adam's already. Know what's next? Uh, if Fuse is next. Uh, Fuse is a rotating uh, fruit handle that we do. Um, we've done tangerine, blackberry, and this is the third iteration, which is uh, passion fruit. Um, passion fruit is nice aromatically. It's really kind of a cheat code. It's just really bright, uh, bright and tropical. Um, there's really no bitterness in this beer because we're leaning on the uh, acidity from the fruit um, to kind of pull everything to center with it. Um, and this is another one that... Um, We've moved a lot of um, both both here and in distro, and it just works well for I don't know those warmer months um, where you want something a little bit tart. It's one of those beers that if somebody says, "Oh, I just I really like sour beer," or "Oh, I just really like you know real sweet fruity beer," like it, it fits both of those palettes, and like sure. you can have two people that are asking for two very different things be sure. very happy with the same beer. Um, it is super summery and tropical and yeah it's like super sunny delight right like on the nose like when i smell it i'm like this is like sunny delight on steroids like awesome sunny delight (laughs) that that tart funky thing from passion fruit is always uh is always fun to me sure 
there's a, a lot of people that if you know if passion fruit itself didn't exist like the stuff people would be dumping in beers to recreate sure. that is uh, <laughs> it's, it's delicious. I've well, heard a lot of people talking about this one online too. People excited about it when they try it out somewhere. Um, and maybe it is because it's been 90 something degrees yeah, outside. Sure. <laughs> well, and we're doing mango. We'll be re- reducing, uh, reducing, we'll be, uh, <laughs> releasing, um, a mango version of it next week, Tuesday. So, yep. so yeah, just rolling through, uh, different fruits throughout the year with it. So you guys have been doing like an experimental series of just different stuff kind of. So, yep. So that's been different. So like Fuse is always, a fruit always beer. a yeah. fruit. We don't change that up. Right. So like we've had passion fruit on for the past few months yep, and like months. now passion fruits will end this week and mango will then go on and be on for a few months. And Versus, then we'll but is, switch is up. escape part of the experimental nope. series. No? Escape no, is escape. Its own so beer, Fuse yeah. is like, we just switch up the fruit profile on that on a bigger batch. The experimentals that we've done have been taking a base of another beer that we've done recently and adjuncting it in a different way, sure. be it gotcha. dry hopping or a fruit. So right now we have a pear Hefeweizen. Pear Hefeweizen. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we just, that's the first, that's the first time I've got that yeast in here. Half yeast, you can only do so many things with. You can do half and <laughs> dump half. a bias. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's like a one, we have one half barrel of it. Like when yeah. it's on, it's on. And when it's done, it's done. But it's also like, there are, there are some styles that like, if you really did it the right way, there is a specific yeast that you should be using, sure. but you can kind of mm-hmm. fake your way around it. Sure. You can't do that with half of ice. Half, and and <laughs> it's shouldn't. so tough because it's, it's, it's such a it. finicky yeast too. You know what I mean? Just even handling it in the brew house, it can be a pain and whatnot. I, I know a lot of people that make really great ones and they're using open fermenters and everything, which is a whole different, which is a whole different profile. In what ways yeah. is it, is it hard to handle in the brew house? Um, it, it's fussy. Um, so it doesn't, um, it doesn't necessarily want to flock out well. So, uh, the ability to reharvest on it is it's, a more painful process than what it is with a lot of other yeasts. Um, and um, that whole banana clove balance that you get with it, um, there's different factors that go into how that, how that ratio is gonna pop up. It can be anything from pitching rate uh, to temperature to uh, amount of oxygen it sees um, prior, to, prior to ferment, stuff like that. So it can be nitpicky and a little fussy to work with. Um, so that's personally why I, I think you don't see a ton of them it's not like a, it's not like a super workhorse yeast where you can just kind of do whatever you want with it right. and just thump through it. it. This one, this one is is a little bit more finicky. Yeah, it sounds fine. It's it's all right. <laughs> See, looking around trying to figure out where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> more like what is we're, that? We're, this is the boiler yeah, for, coming yeah, on. Yeah. Well, for the people that like can't, you know, aren't in here, it's, it's we're in almost the middle of our brew deck, and we recorded because uh, we have a dining room full here. of people. Yes, correct. Yeah. And previously. I just ran around during this other recording, <laughs> randomly turning things off that kept kicking off. And I was like, okay, let, let me have my list. It also reminds me to turn everything back on. So I don't get a text from Adam saying, you know the cooler's off? <laughs> I, I do, because I totally forgot to turn it back on. Which, that episode, for anybody who's drinking with the Gnome fans, should be releasing, I'm going to say next, or, yeah, we'll say next week to be safe. Next week from when we're listening to this, probably this week when you're listening this so nice uh we'll see i'm gonna gonna say that just to make myself actually get it done (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this uh, going back to 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 the beer it's um it is 
again dead on to what i want as a summertime drinker it's uh so good <laughs> well and it's always that fine line right because with with fruit you need enough residual sweetness to where it's still fruit like right i mean cause it's, it's that thing like dry wine and dry cider tastes like wine sweet cider and sweet wine tastes like fruit you know what i mean so it's it's it, trying to chase that balance a little bit if you push, push that residual sweetness too high you get to the point where you start compromising how drinkable the beer is. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I wish a lot of people understood that. <laughs> I can make a little list right now. <laughs> we'll give you a couple but more. The idea, but the idea is always like your like only temperance should be guarding should be guiding how many pints you have of something, right? Like you shouldn't be able to drink and just be like, "Oh, dude, I can't do another one of these." Like halfway through it. And now there's some styles that are, you know, a little more prone to that. Your 15% barrel-aged stuff, sure, you're not going to be sitting there drinking pints necessarily. But, I mean, just about everything else, you should be able to. Um, and so you want it to maintain that balance. That's a good point. Even some of those, those big giant stouts and things like that, you should probably want to. You should sure. probably be like, oh, man, I, I could. Mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't, but I could just drink this all day long. I, I, that drinkability that, that that term that everybody throws around that doesn't really mean anything sure i think that's sure. what it means mm -hmm. you yeah know, like that 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 ability to just kind of uh, either want to keep drinking it all day or feel like you can drink it all day not necessarily that you have to drink it all day but just yeah it's, it's that capacity to strike balance right and it's the same thing with food you know what i mean if if a dish is too rich you can have some of it and enjoy it but it's where it's just rich enough that you can eat it like a savage, right? And then like pay the prices later. Suddenly and having like, like a, <laughs> your, your pizza story flashback. <laughs> yeah. what, what, like for a very long time, it felt like uh, American craft beer kind of drifted away from that idea of balance. And I mean, that's kind of mm -hmm. what we do as Americans, I think, is, you know, kind of go to the extremes. But, sure. Um, are we kind of getting back there as uh, as a craft beer industry back to that that, that concept Sorry. of drinkability and balance? Getting and very excited about this topic. Oh. Beer should taste like beer. <laughs> but but can can one exist yes. without the other? Like, well, do you need those places that kind of go off the wall and create? I, I think I, I I look at it as if we were to equate uh, fine dining and breweries in the same or restaurants and food production in the same you know light as beer right so there are restaurants in the world that are pushing the boundaries of how you cook and make food and like create new flavor profiles mm -hmm. those aren't bad you might go to a restaurant and eat something out of like an inflated sugar balloon that is then popped in front of you and out comes like a quail egg, right? Like I'm just coming <laughs> out up. Out comes a quail that lays an egg. egg. There you go, right? And you're paying probably an ungodly amount of money for this experience. If that invention of that type of sugar art then makes its way back into mainstream pastry chefs, then I think it's doing its mm -hmm. service, right? So we can say that like hazy IPAs, right? that there are breweries out there pushing the boundaries of what hazy is, right? And how you get there and what you do to get there. Not all of it is great, right? Some of it involves adjuncts, some of it involves other things you can add to it to, to keep everything in solution. You know, here we say that we start 
with a, a flavor profile that Adam wants to hit first, if it happens to be hazy when it comes out of the tap, that is a byproduct of the flavor profile we're trying to hit. Haze is not the goal. It's the byproduct that happens to come out of it versus, you know, there's nothing wrong with the people because then they taught us how to make a hazy beer if we want to. So I I think they have to, because I think if we make this huge pendulum swing back, I hate to say it, if we come from glitter, unicorn, milkshake craziness, Lucky charms. Like (laughs) that beer actually exists. I know. know. (laughs) Uh, Beers that are- Laid by a quail. Are purposely trying to blow up in the can, right? Like, like, oh yeah, this is legit a can grenade. We hope this blows up on you, (laughs) right? Like, and you paid $20 for it or more. And if it swings back, my fear is that it swings so far back into, to, you know, I say beer tasting like beer, right. that we go towards macro, right? And That's, so there's a, there's a balancing act there. Now, do I agree with everything happening in the crazy world? No. But there's many breweries out there that have found their niche yep. and they have found their fans. And if they're paying back their investors <laughs> and paying their bank and putting their kids through college or whatever good for them like good for them right but if they're doing it to the detriment of like the whole brewing world as a whole then i think then maybe it's too much right yeah but like i don't know that i don't know that any one place can ever be doing it to a detriment of brewing Mm -hmm. as a whole it's like there's at some point that that tip happens Mm -hmm. and where it becomes too much of this or too much of that and it can go either way and I, i think we're seeing a swing back towards traditional styles uh, I think maybe not so much brewed to style, but brewed to taste. I think if you follow, uh, you know, we're all relative beerners, but if you kind of follow what's happening on the coast, right, where things tend to happen, like lagers are becoming very popular again. And and as a brewing style, as technically difficult as showing the maybe the artistic ability behind making beer. So I don't know if there's necessarily a wrong beer. You know, there's just maybe not a beer that I'm wanting to drink or enjoy. Well, and then I I think the big picture, though, too, is, is that um, for I think when 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 you're when you're close to the industry, you see the the people that are trading beer Mm -hmm. are the beer tourists, the the beer collector people like the, the the hyper beer geeks. It's a small portion of what's actually coming into mm-hmm. your place and, and that that can be based on locale a little bit too but you know i i think on some level it's like um i think some of that stuff can be good you know what i mean um i i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with if, if, if folks want to spend their money on that that's great um and and i think it's i think it's good to dabble in it it sounds uh potentially exhausting to say that our bread and butter is going to be mm-hmm. <laughs> these beers that are massively expensive and then have a, a, a shorter shelf life and then we just have to turn and turn and turn right. um, that product. Well, um, and it so. wouldn't even be a, like for us, that wouldn't be a smart business decision. Sure. Like we, we always said we're not declaring like what our flagship beers are the day we open our doors. We're going to use what sells and what the feedback is from the people that call this place their, you know, local go-to place to drive what we do more of but also to have creativity and hopefully expose them to things that are new to them that are still within reason right that that also like being true to who we are like for each brand to be true to who they are i don't think we necessarily even at this point going into our first full year even really have 
I mean, yes, there it's are some fluid. that we could say sure are flagship, but like I'm really proud that on a week to week basis, we generally have two loggers in the top two, like mm-hmm. at least maybe even three in the top five, yep. right? Every week. Uh, yeah, and there's a hoppy beer in there too because there has to be. And a fruit right? beer. And a fruit, and a fruit beer. beer. But yeah. it's all, you know, like the idea of flagships is always shifting and changing. Mm-hmm. Even if you say, oh yeah, we've, we've been around X amount of years. Here's our flagship. Uh, you know, there, uh, nobody can foresee anything, but like you know, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, yeah. there could come a day where they're like, you know what? Nobody's buying this anymore. We're not going to keep making this beer. I, I don't think that's going to happen, sure. but sure. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, well, to, to think of it more locally, well, you know, Cougar at Running Guys, mm-hmm. it's one of those beers like, oh, this is never going to go away. It's just their, it's their light offering. It's that thing that's just always around. It's always in cans. It's always sitting on the shelf. And then it gets replaced with something else that becomes the new thing yep. that fits, sure. fits that need at the time. You know, I think the attention span of kind of just our, our, where we're at in this pace of life is like, we're a generation that like, it's variety, right? Like right. new, like it's just kind of being fluid with the whole process. And that's, I think what people love about breweries in general is that it's always rotating and different and there's something new to come back and try. Right. If, if I was going to walk into a brewery and drink the same beer every time, that's I, like how old school breweries are, I right? Think you think of like true. they always had like their stout and their their amber, their right, and like their and their pale or their IPA. You right? sound like, like you worked at a couple <laughs> yeah. of those, but that's that's also those types of places that were they were brew pubs. You yep. didn't go there just to sit and have a beer. You went there because you were eating dinner. You were it was it, sure. it was it was such a different type of experience. It, but but I think you can be a, a mod. I mean, we're a brew pub. Yeah, I, mean, I think we flipped I mean, that a little off script. I forgot about uh-huh. that. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, no, oh, yeah. No, I think I we flipped the script on no, that too I, of what food is at a brew pub but as it's, well. It's so yeah. different now. But, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I take zero issue with that statement because if you go to, you know. Uh, rock bottom. Rock bottom or a, you know, Grand Ra- up a, one in Grand Rapids or like Lafayette Brewing Company in Lafayette, Indiana, where that was like school. our first brew pub experience, Lindsay and I, because we went to Purdue. And, like that menu has not changed in 20 years. Their beer selections are, I guarantee, in the middle of summer, a Scottish like 80 shilling is on. Why? Because, damn it, that's what we brew in the middle it's of summer. It's those original six right? beers that yeah, they did. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're all very good. But I, I think that, you know, when you talked about a pendulum swing, right? We went from brew pub to regional brewery, what, what the focus was, right? You wanted to be a brew pub because that was like OG. And then you wanted to become a regional and then you wanted to become a tap room. Right. And so then we had all these breweries open and then all of a sudden it was, you know, customer experience and you need to get them in for more than just one or two beers. Mm -hmm. Right. And food is a critical thing. And so I don't think the pendulum was fully back to brew pub. We just kind of took it there. But that I think kind of where my mind goes when I think of brew pub from kind of that nineties kind of era, there's a very specific model that oh, yes. pops mm-hmm. up in my yes. head that, that this is what a brew pub of that mm-hmm. time was. There is like a there's a whole spectrum now of what it means yes. to go to a brewery that has food. Mm-hmm. Brew pub doesn't even really kind of encapsulate all of those different kind of there's no. niche models there's, within there's, that. Within that, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm just as happy going to a brewery that I know. Even it's like they have their own food truck and it's always sitting out there in the parking lot and you have to walk out in the cold if it, even when it's cold outside and get your your food out there yeah. and walk by. I'm okay with that. That becomes that model and then there's those mm-hmm. places like this that have this incredible menu and are are almost just as focused on food as they are the beer 
I want that, you know? And then there's other times where it's a place that like, oh yeah, we make beer also. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm yeah. okay with that too. And like, it's just these different kind of levels within yeah. what brew pub means. It's, you know, balance. It's, like, it's been a very much a catch all category, right? I, I think that, you know, when you look at like, the model, you know, are we a brew pub? Yes. Cause at, at, you know, legally speaking at the end of the day, have our brewing license in the state of Ohio and we're a TTB certified brewery first, right? That's how we make our beer. The fact that we put in a high quality kitchen, hired an executive chef and put in a lot of time and focus on a menu was to support our beer sales. Right. You know, that's how we look at it is, you know, our, our bread and butter, what pays the bills here is the, you know, the food helps get, you know, the guys like me or somebody that comes in like that pretzel and beer cheese, even though we laugh about it, that gets another beer out of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you sit at a table and are able to be guided through a menu by a staff member that Adam has trained or Sarah, our GM has trained to like discuss flavor profiles and what you like that just once again, helps that, that beer experience. And, you know, we hope we get another beer. Out of it. Right. Uh, let's drink another beer. Drop Zone. Uh, let's do Drop Zone next. Uh, that's a, it's one of our IPAs. Um, I think on the nose it has kind of a like candied orange uh, thing, um, and then uh, in the in the flavor, um, on the flavor side, it's um, kind of like that orange pulpy, and then kind of blending a little bit into like a little bit of grapefruit because sometimes how I like to say it is. Um, sometimes with that citrus, um, you get like a little bit of the pith, a little bit of the white which is a little bit more bitter, you know what I mean? Um, but then there's, I think there's also a little bit of edge of a uh, little herbal, a little, little touch of dank to it as well. And uh, yeah, we've been it, selling a lot of this. It toes lately. that line in between some of those super soft, super fruity IPAs and then something that's a little more uh, traditionally what we think of as hoppy, you know, that West Coast sure. kind of bitter hoppiness. Sure. It sits right in the middle for me, and it's, I mean, it's very hazy. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's your, yep. if you need your beer to be hazy, like we were talking it's about hazy. before, it's hazy. <laughs> well, and that's it, it, it's a process too, right? Because I mean, ultimately, what we're what we're looking to do with with uh, with our hot forward stuff is what, whether it's hazy or not, we want it to be saturated with hot flavor and aroma. Um, we want it to be bitter enough to be balanced, um, and that's really it, you know. And and we've been we've been tweaking things over time. We've we've been settling in on that's. Uh, all of our all of our hot forward stuff right now is fermented with what a lot of people are using, which is London Ale Three, um, and we've been experimenting with uh, some lower whirlpool temperatures and things like that, so we can kind of increase that hop load in the whirlpool a little bit. Um, so it's it's fun tweaking around those those different levers and dials. Is this all hops or is there fruit in there? That's all hops. That's yeah. it's fantastic. That that grapefruit thing that comes in at the end mm-hmm. is really really good. That's, Thank um, you. It's so that's like, a that's a fun one, and so that was one where we're we've been working with. Uh, I don't know, the research is still also new out there too. Y- you know what I mean? It, it it's like I don't know. It's one of the reasons why it's exciting. Um, but uh, but yeah, we've just been been playing around with that stuff, working with different hops, different techniques, and um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I like that. That's one of those beers, kind of going back to that original topic of, you know, forcing yourself out of the thing that you would not typically order I'm, I'm when i come into a brew pub or a brewery i'm, I'm probably not ordering the ipa mm-hmm. I'm, it's not going to be the thing that i gravitate towards but um that's a really really fun beer and thank you so thank I'm you glad you made me drink it awesome <laughs> <laughs> i forced you yeah well, i would say that one's been fun because like sabo's been our 
flagship, right? Original mm-hmm. IPA. Air, and then we've had quote. Pathfinder, um, our award-winning pale ale. And then this came along, and this one has been... It's, it's jumped the charts pretty quick since we put it on tap. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can go back to where we were kind of at before, talking about the, the, the model of brew pubs and, and things like that. How do you, as a business... Um, settle into your model and who you are and then kind of also watch how the industry is because the industry is still changing so yep. fast with, with you know look back you know five years and it looks very different than it does today how do you kind of ride that wave and kind of pay attention to it but still still know who you are and I and think we I mean obviously this was a long journey from vision to opening and I think we explored every sort of option i think we knew food had to be a part of it in some way because like we're grown adults and if we go somewhere and have a couple of drinks inevitably i'm i'm eating something because that's a smart choice um and so we explored them all and i think settling into what we thought would be most appropriate for our space as well as like our demographic in the area was we were fulfilling two needs right where we are. Cause if you looked at the you know original map of Cincinnati breweries, we were kind of in like a dead space, right? Where there wasn't anything. We've got a you know, few more in the Mason area, but all of those are probably 10 or 15 minutes away in Loveland. Um, and we were kind of in this black hole with a ton of residential around here. A lot of people just like us that are craft beer fans and also like really good food, but we didn't want to drive to, you know, OTR every time we wanted to do it or Oakley. And I think the choice to bring it in house and make it part of the experience was also ensuring that it was a cohesive experience between the two. I think we're like, and also the selfishly as well, like we wanted the experience for people to sit at a table and have that opportunity to like visit with the people and, you know, talk about making beer memories. Like you make memories when you sit around a table with people, like, and if you're constantly getting up to get back in line for a beer or get back in line for food, like that's not the same experience. And like when you sit down for a two hour incredible, like meal with great conversation and catch up with old friends. So I think that was a big part of our choice. And I think that the industry, like, some of it because of regulation, some of it because having to work with distributors meant that you had to be a production brewery, move the, move the industry as a whole towards more just make beer. Like, right. don't worry about the food perspective. And, and I think that we can, you know, sit here and see what's happening nationwide and see what other trends are coming about, such as, you know, the, 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 trillion dollar question is what's post seltzer right like what's nothing seltzer <laughs> is the end <laughs> i mean and we and, and we can have a conversation about that right like a, a real one um but it's here, here to stay right and and everybody just wanted candy all along yep. yeah exactly <laughs> and so like we can look at that and we can try to figure it out but at, at the end of this you know for us it's managing that experience here right that doesn't make us do a knee-jerk reaction that we saw something cool on instagram or something that a brewery is doing down the road like let them run their program if it's a great idea and we can implement it here and it helps us sure great we'll look at it right how do you do that though how do you how do you kind of keep your eye out there and kind of watch that stuff that's happening I don't know if it's like you watch what, it. you watch what the beer offerings are. I think it's like really unique to see 
like the breweries, especially like in the Northeast and the Northwest start to pivot. Like you can start to see slowly but surely um, hazies, heavily adjunct, fruited beers start to fall off and you start to see a swing in some of the very craft focused breweries out there go back towards lagers or traditional. And when I say traditional, I just mean old styles, right? Like an actual West Coast IPA. Right, like when was the last time someone's like the oldest of beer styles? Yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or a pilsner, right? And you're like, right. oh my god! It's like that, I think the Germans have the, the Germans, made. yeah. Or you yeah. see a brewery like multiple times on both coasts open up, and oh, we're only going to do German styles, and, and you're like, they're killing it. Like there has to be something here, so you can watch that, and we can implement, and we can try it. We're only a 15 barrel system. Right. Like we say, like if we can't move 15 barrels of something across our bar, then like we either really missed a flavor profile or this beer style just isn't a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And we don't really go towards gimmicky. And so I think you watch that, but I also think it's how do we create other experiences for people while they're here? So like us adding in tours and a guided flight is a huge experience. It also guarantees that we have people in seats at times we wouldn't normally have people in seats. So it's how do we do that? We're exploring how to do other guided tastings of even mm-hmm. spirits, wine, and other things. Uh, you know, I know Lindsay mentioned like leaning into our chef, like doing chef-driven dinners on days we normally wouldn't be open, and allowing a very select few people come in, have a one-off menu driven by local produce, local protein, and a crazy you know the beer offerings of Adam and different wines, like. These are the experience that when you leave and you look at your Instagram feed, it wasn't like another IPA. It was an, another IPA, but it was another IPA right. with like rabbit or quail or whole hog barbecue or. I think it's about you know, like building yeah. loyalty as yeah. our focus at the end of the day, right? Like you want to build the experience that people walk away and not only feel really good about what they experienced across the board, but they're sharing it with other people and they're now coming well, back, that right? Is, like, well, I think that's what makes us I, the most proud. I think it makes sense for us done. to like continually try to keep our, our fingers on the pulse of what is happening in Cincinnati beer, Ohio yeah. beer, and then maybe the Midwest. Right. But like right now we have to run our own race, right? It's a horrible sports analogy, but like we are going into our first year, like we are hitting numbers of production and sales and people through the door that we had never predicted far outpacing anything we ever thought. So we're still very much in the day-to-day firefighting of like, let's get this, the processes and the beast down. I think if we spent a lot of our time looking at what any brewery around us was doing and then try to pivot what to their model is, it would be the detriment of what we're trying to build here. Um, And I think at the end of it, we're gonna let our consumers speak that if certain beers like, well, it's a, a smokestack, so we're out of it now. But which we, is wild. Which is wild. Um, we've had multiple breweries ask us about it. Um, so we had a golden smoked beer. Yeah, the, that we a, a Hellas sold, Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sold a full batch of it in less than a year, which in Cincinnati <laughs> like is in like less, in less than like four months. months. Like, there, was, there was a there was a weird flash that happened this year of people doing smoked beers. Mm-hmm. Like there was there was a couple places that that put them out that hadn't before that have that are places that have been around for a while there's places that uh you expect them from that they all just kind of hit at the same time and then um i think it got people talking about the style mm-hmm. too so there is something about like if 
one place is going to do yes. something like that and other places are also doing it at the same time, that can yes. benefit mm-hmm. that whole kind of education or awareness sure. thing but or something a, too. Sure. But it's a super old school. I mean, it's a real style. I mean, there are oh, yeah. fantastic German breweries that that's all they do. There's fantastic right. German breweries that that's all they do. And if, you, if you're and just like a new craft beer drinker and you grab one, you're yeah. like, oh my God, that's horrible. Yes. <laughs> I think it's fantastic, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's that. Like, why not try some of these old school styles that, you know, maybe haven't been the popular Instagram styles, you know, and just just go for it and but, see what we can do. But I do think that there is benefit into having kind of your finger on the pulse of that yeah. of that that, that that wider kind of mm-hmm. community and say, hey, some people are doing this thing that we didn't think we would have been able to do, mm-hmm. but we really like the idea of it. If they're also doing it, maybe we can do mm-hmm. it and kind of build off of that too and kind of let... And that goes not just not just I, beer itself. There's like there's little ideas that you'll yes. see pop up in, in tap rooms or breweries. Well, oh, I think everyone's taking inspiration from each other. I think you know copying sure. on some levels the highest form of flattery, right? But like we look for things that make it, just copying something because it worked well for someone else. If it doesn't make sense for cartridge, then it doesn't make sense to do it. Like right. I think we always have at least the mindset and the conversation amongst our leadership team of like I think we're all steering. They love that I use boat analogies all the time. Though we don't have a boat. Um, we're all trying to steer the ship in the same direction. And it has to be true to who we are. And I think that's like, we're well, all, I think, of the same age, too, where I think you get to the point in your I mean, I, I'm never going to say Late 30s for us, 40s you, for I mean, some of us. I'm very young. I mean, you had a you're, just, you're comfortable <laughs> yeah. in your own skin, yeah. right? Like, we know what cartridge is. Yeah. It's got to make sense for I cartridge. Mean, and like, for the people that we, yeah. that come through our doors in high volume. And I mean, you had the, the like the Lager podcast, which we were, we were just like super honored to be part of. And and, uh, and Jake and Evan from Braxton were there. And, and I had actually never really got in to meet either of those individuals before um, in passing, perhaps in my former career. And, you know, they come up and, and Jake is the business guy. And he goes, so when are you doing another location? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not doing it. And he he just goes, don't ever say that. I never thought we would have. And, it, and he was like super complimentary and it was an awesome conversation. But it's like one where like, no, we're like cartridge brewing is at the Peters Cartridge Factory. Like I can't replicate this site. I can't replicate this experience. So like let's encapsulate as much as we can here. It doesn't mean that we're not going to explore like our cans being more rad, readily available across our bar here. It's not that we're not going to explore our beer and our taps going out to distro to drive. Hopefully people have our beer down in OTR, drink one and then go, where is this place? And realize that, yes, it's outside 275, which is Europe for many people, but they can come have a great experience. Right. And and so I'm I'm never saying we're not going to look at ways to sell more beer. It's just very hard for me to ever think that what we're replicating in this once in a lifetime location uh, could ever be replicated with the same authenticity that we're having right now. It could be, it could be different though. Like that's you know, Braxton is a is a pretty good example mm-hmm. of somebody mm-hmm. that's managed to get these different tap rooms that have different experiences. Yes. You know, the Braxton Labs is not the same place as the yep. Braxton HQ, which isn't the same as the Barrel House, which isn't the same as yep. Braxton Cincinnati, which isn't the same as. Oh, we're, there is nothing else coming. There's nothing confirmed to open in any other city. <laughs> um, you know, it's not, 
it's just it's there yeah. you can create these different personalities for different spaces mad tree when they open mm-hmm. their doors if you had shown them a picture of 2.0 like well that's not mad tree we would never do something like that that's ridiculous you know and there's a lot of a lot of breweries yeah. with that same kind of idea I don't. I'm. I'm never. Evolution can I'm never happen. Say, never say never. I'm never going to say never to another uh, location. I'm never going to say never to a uh, uh, another place that helps like our overarching umbrella of what we're trying to build, which are hospitality companies that happen to make beer, right? Grow. So if another historic location opened up and the branding that we could do and the story we could tell there is not cartridge, but I can build the same type of experience, right. mm-hmm. then absolutely. But, it, but just because it's an old historic building somewhere doesn't mean I have to call it cartridge. So under the umbrella of you know, what we're doing here, we, you know, if 10 years from now I look back and we have two, three well-established, beloved brands under our name that people in their demographic love to go to and they all stand on their own laurels mm-hmm. right of what they are i'm going to be happy as hell if in 10 years from now uh the loans paid back my investors love me and i'm still just rocking it here at cartridge i'm still going to be really happy yeah. right um but I, I think it just depends on being authentic to the experience you want to give the consumer which it goes back to your your very first question of like when you drink a beer and it is an authentic experience and you are enjoying cracking that beer and the people you're around and a campfire or a grill or hell, whatever it is, right? Like you could crack a beer on a Delta flight and if the conversations next to you is awesome and you remember that beer, then good for that. But right. that's the experience those people are trying to give you and bottle. And Delta, can. we'd like some additional miles yeah, for would. that. Thank you. <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor the show, please. Cool. I'll, ta- I'll take <laughs> yes. it. We are. Let's, let's drink another beer. Uh, Airborne is up next. Uh, Airborne is our uh, Vienna lager, uh, amber lager. Um, and it's just kind of that blend of uh, the the German um, Vienna malt, a uh, little bit of Munich malt, a uh, little bit of Pilsner malt. Um, and it kind of builds this kind of bready, toasty, mildly caramely thing. Um, again, like well-balanced, food-friendly um, kind of thing. And yeah, because we, we've been finding that you need like that red slash amber beer in a pub. Um, and for a while we were running a beer called Treaty, which, uh, which is like an English style ale which will come back at some point. But if we can fill that niche a little bit with something in that lager family, I think that's nice for us. We have 20 handles, and so it would be nice to kind of have like a baseline of a range of, of lagers and then be able to scratch the other edges too. So. Well, you know, people, there's, I wish I could make a list. I, should, I probably should just to make an make a article about all of those like standard things that people come in and they ask for, you know, I, what what what? You have an amber ale. You have you have an IPA. You have, sure. Where's your stout? You know, like it's those yeah. those things that people just they look for, and and ambers are definitely that, one of those things. Sure. And I think what's been interesting is the conversations, and and Adam can speak a lot more to this. Is like he says it very well. He goes, "Our hop forward beers." So our hop forward beers, you know, are generally pale or IPA, but you can make any style hop forward. Would it be to right. style or what the book says it should be no but if that's the flavor profile we're going for so when we talk about like what's coming down the pipeline what's going to backfill 
you know, we're more of a, okay, does this fit hop forward? Does this hit logger? Which also could be hop forward, right? Does this fit, uh, you know, light, medium, dark? And I think that was like the initial families we came up with. And then we came up with kind of a seasonality, right? That in the middle of like June, July, August, a coconut stout is probably not going to be on, but a coconut light wheat. I could drink a coconut stout right now. I know. (laughs) I'm well aware. You animal. I'm like, we might be aging some stuff around here. And I don't know if it's good or not, but I guess we can give you a straw. You can tell us. Um, but we look at it more of a, a profile that if someone comes in and they go, God, like I loved Treaty, which was our Irish red, which is super old school brew pub, mm-hmm. right. you know, like style. Like you better have an Irish red. Like if that person comes in and they're like, oh, I love Treaty, we can direct them to other flavor, flavor profiles that are just similar enough, right? Mm-hmm. That, that if we were to Venn diagram all of our beers, it's almost like I, I would love if we could the end of a year or two, Venn diagram all of our beers and they still overlap and the thing in the overlapping middle is approachable. Like that would just make me so happy that I, that we accomplished approachable beer because there are enough reasons and enough other alcoholic beverages out there that at times we're pushing our consumers away, right? We're pushing them to seltzer. We're pushing them to wine or hard alcohol. Not that I don't enjoy really any of those. I, I will admit I am not generally a seltzer drinker in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Um, but I don't see anything wrong with it, right? Like, good for Jeff Stein and his team to make the red cream seltzer that they are just printing money with and killing it on. Like, good for them as a business owner. Good for them. Do I enjoy it? Like, But I also think Adam doesn't want good. to be it a is, slave right? to making but we seltzer. Also want to be sure. so, yeah. uh, so it's also like, hey, Adam, here's the Here's the slate, right? Like, we would just like to see this number of certain styles. Can we hit them, right? And when I say styles, I mean like families. Right. And then the flavor profiles are up to you. And and then we let the consumers, because I mean, we'll have a weekend and they'll come in and we'll look at the data on Monday and go, holy crap! Like, did like who came in that drank that much of that beer? Right. You know, like uh, like the MG car collectors society came in and like all of our British and Irish beers went. So I am taking off. If you don't hear me, I have a son that has to go to cross country. Um, Parental responsibility. Yes. We're, we're almost wrapped yes. up. Guys. We, we can probably edit it to make you make it sound like you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoy watching a place like this that is able to able to, 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 to toe that line of, putting out styles that everybody's asking for that everybody walks in and just kind of wants, but not, not doing it. So, um, obviously like, you know, like to, to, if somebody wants, wants an Amber ale, you got a Vienna lager. Like that's, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see something that pushes people outside of that comfort zone just a little bit all the time. I don't want, I don't want the thing that I'm telling you that I want. I want you to give me your, your or solu- to say, if you like this, I think yeah. you'll also like this. Like, well, that, it's, that it's, plays in well learning. with Prost, actually, which mm-hmm. is your next beer segue. Oh, perfect. Look at you. <laughs> well played. So Prost is Prost is fun because it's a it's a, a Munich Dunkel, um, and it's got that nice kind of. I mean, I think it's only four, five, four, six. So it, it it's under five, but it has this nice 
this nice, robust, toasty kind of milk chocolate thing to it. Um, and a lot of times, sometimes people will take that flavor set or the color that's in that beer and feel as if it's mm -hmm. going to be super robust and heavy. Um, and I think it's, I, I like making beer under 5%, having it be flavorful and being able to drink a large volume of it, right? Like that's, I don't know, I, I think that's exciting. Um, so. Have you seen a shift in consumers at all of, of kind of the, the knowledge of loggers? And it's probably hard for you to answer since you're not behind the bar. You're not seeing those people sure. come in. And, and, but I feel, and I could be completely off base, but I feel like drinkers today are way more familiar with something like a, like a Munich Dunkel or a Vienna lager, things like that, than they were just a few years ago. Like it's... It's not as foreign when you walk in and, sure. and see it on the board as it, it might have been, you know. Sure, and and I think what I, I think what we're finding here is is and and you know like we're not downtown, you know what I mean, and so we've got we we've got a, we've got a range of people coming in. Um, sometimes right. it's the person that's saying, "Give me the lightest thing you have." Sometimes it's somebody that wants something, you know, nine percent, ten percent, and crazy, you know what I mean. Um, so, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like there's been, um, there's been a fair amount of putting something like this in front of somebody and saying, I didn't think this was going to be my thing, but I can drink this. Because there was a period of time where this was the darkest beer that we had on the menu. Mm -hmm. um, and um, when I was talking to the staff about it, it's like, hey, listen, let's, let's push this for some people that maybe they like some of those, some of those stout, some of those porter type things. It doesn't have the exact flavor profile, but maybe we can help stretch them into an area where they haven't comfortably drank before. Right. You know, it's fun. I like seeing I like seeing a dunkel on tap. Sorry, a dunkel for all of you, uh, you German go. folks. <laughs> um, it 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 really does hit it scratches both of those sides of the uh, of the, the the beer itch for me. You know, when you want something that's really easy drinking and. Um, yeah, drinkable that word that doesn't mean anything <laughs> and then also something that is packed full of some of those dark roasty chocolatey flavors that sure um, well and it. that's the great thing too with these cl classic german styles dude i mean they, they go great with food mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's that's the other great thing especially that can like you know you can sit down you can have your meal um and I mean, by and large, I mean the supermajority like like good beer is approachable, good beer is balanced, and balanced beers goes balanced beer goes with food. You know what I mean? So it's like you might be able to find some things that work a little bit better, but in general, when you're when you're really trying to work over balance and, and everything like that, things kind of fall together. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, we'll wrap up here. Um, if you guys haven't been to Cartridge. Uh, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you haven't been here. But <laughs> We're not you know, that far away, we promise. Come to Cartridge and uh, get yourself some dinner, get a cocktail, get a few beers. And um, they're hitting everything exactly the way they should be. And that that says a lot in a city like Cincinnati. It's That's hard kind to, of you. Thank it's you. It's hard to hit all of those things at the same time. There's some places that are um, definitely doing way better on others than, yeah. than the things that maybe they need to focus on. I, I don't know. You guys are doing really good. That's the whole point of this. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we, we will be back next week. I'm not even going to tell you who's on the show next week because I don't you know. As soon as, as soon as I say who's on the show, it's going to, uh, to not happen. So um, I, am, I am going out of town this month, and I haven't talked about it on the show yet. 
I don't think it's going to affect the schedule of the show. I should be able to work around it. Um, but if there's a random week where you hear a podcast from me sitting on a beach or something, it's not because I didn't plan ahead. It's because life is, is chaos. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Um, again, please come to, to, to Cartridge. Um, go in the show notes and there's a link and it'll tell you how to get here and everything. And um, um, you should really come here and drink the beer because it is that, that, that perfect balance between um, every side of everything that you want. <laughs> which is really hard to do. Um, thank you, guys. If you want to support the show, go to the gnarlygnome.com slash support. Sensi Brewcast is the voice of Sensi Craft.